TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Mike show. You might be mocking me or you might be staunchly agreeing with me. I can't tell. I'm mocking you. And the Bulldog. What is Fozzie Bear's role in this production? On WGR Sports Radio 550. Happy New Year. Welcome back. Football Friday. On WGR, brought to you by Tops Markets. Score big savings and elevate your food game. I'm Mike Shope. Glad to have you. Bulldog is off today and will be off on Sunday for post game. but he and I will be here New Year's Day to go over what happens between the Bills and the Patriots and take a new look at what by then will be a clarified playoff picture, but maybe not completely clear. Always a pleasure to welcome Mike Tanier to the show. Mike joins us now on the West Her Hotline. Uh, we've known each other through this show for many years, associate with Aaron Schatz, again now at FTN, writes for The Messenger. On your bio, Mike, likes to pet other people's dogs. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, oh, that's it's not like everybody does, so that's good to point out. I mean, some people are not into your dog, but... If, if you ever do swing by, have I got one for you? Oh, beautiful. I will be happy to pet your dogs. I do enjoy it. And uh, I do have my own dog also, and I love petting him as well. But I let you drink coffee and pet other people's dogs. I don't think that makes me a strange person. I hope that makes me – that's my authentic <laughs> That's my authentic self, and I, and I share it with the world. And you put it right out there for all to see. We have a 10-week-old pug, Margot. Mm. She goes about four pounds. Oh, yeah. Put them in your put her in your pocket. I love it. Yeah, that's that's one idea. All right. Well, Mike, a fascinating season here in Buffalo, and <laughs> right, that's that's also that's one word for it. You can use that again. I mean, every time you get into the end weeks of the season, and the different playoff scenarios are always really fun to sort of ponder. But this, as many have said, this does look like a team that has the whole range of outcomes here, from missing, still possible, to winning the whole thing. Would you uh, say the same? It does. All the range of outcomes is there. I checked FTN Network, where they use the DVOA analysis for playoff odds, and right now the Bills have an 88% chance of reaching the playoffs. That's a very good chance of reaching the playoffs um, because of the work they've done, obviously, in the last month. And I was just listening during the break to that injury report, and that injury report is about as good as it can be uh, for the Buffalo Bills, not only because they're relatively healthy, but you see Trevor Lawrence being out. You have Michael Pittman being out for the Colts. Uh, you have Jalen Waddle getting out. A lot of scenarios here where the Bills take care of their business and some of the other AFC teams could potentially fall off the, pa- uh, off the pace 
giving them a better shot at the playoffs. Right. Throw Cortland Sutton, if you want, on there. Justin uh, ruled ruled out for Denver, but they've already pulled Russell Wilson, if, that is, if that's even a bad thing. Well, right. sort of a, a, a strange season in how the Bills have, the, the games they've lost are just really tough to live with. Um, yes. Bad mistakes at the end, the New England loss, the Jets earlier. But they've come up big here against better teams. Uh, they lost in Philadelphia, but since then. And so how big for you, Mike, as you analyze this, is it that they get the AFC East, that Miami loses in Baltimore and the Bills beat Miami next week? I think like worlds of difference, you know, from going on the road probably three times in the right. AFC playoffs, if they still get in, to hosting the seven seed and playing it out from there, like what a difference. Absolutely, and hosting the seventh seed would be your best case scenario because you're looking at that seventh seed and it it could be the Colts, you know, who are really limping in right now, or it could be the Texans and they'd have C.J. Stroud out there, but that team overall is not particularly strong, and these would be favorable matchups. You know, if I had faith in the Bills as a home team in the winter, if I didn't see what happened last year in the playoffs at home in the winter conditions – I'd be like, yeah, Bills get get these home games and they can they can coast. You know, I would say that about a team like the Cowboys. The, the Bills have, have put so many questions out there in the last year or so in terms of what t- type of team they are week to week that it's almost like, you know, the best thing I could say about it is if they win the AFC East, that means they're playing really good football going into the playoffs and they're relatively healthy, and that's the advantage more so than saying, oh, yeah, here we come. Come up to Buffalo. We're going to freeze you out. Last year the Bills were the team that got frozen out in that situation. Right. The good news maybe for that point this year is that it's 50 every day this year uh, in the Uh winter. (laughs) There you go, right. El Nino. Um, But possibility (laughs) of snow showers Sunday, temperature in the mid to high 30s, they say, for Bills and Patriots. So... um, the AFC, it's been interesting, Mike. Like before the year, we talked to all our guests and just how loaded it was. But you've had the Bills lose six games. Kansas City is its own story. Baltimore is the one. I guess Miami, but we everybody wants to see Miami beat somebody good, which yeah. you know they kind of kind of just did. But I just did, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, do, do the Ravens stand apart for you as a contender in this conference, likely to be at home, and just are they on a different tier? I think they are on a different tier, and if you break down the the, the analytics of it, uh, you see they are right up there with the San Francisco 49ers, and both of those teams are in a tier by themselves. We think of the 49ers at, at, at that level. We don't think of the Ravens at that level, maybe because early in the year we saw them trip over the Colts, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at some of the, rev, the, the wins on the Ravens' resume, starting with the Niners last week. That's as impressive as you can possibly be. Uh, you had a, a beating of the Detroit Lions earlier in the season by the Baltimore Ravens. You have a couple of uh, games like that that show that this team can be dominant. And uh, One thing about the Ravens is they are the team – when we talked about the Bills in the preseason, you, you, you talk about you know being stacked on the offensive line, being de- deep on defense, you know being deep in the secondary, having all these things that for the Bills injuries er- you know, er- eroded a little bit. But this team was top to bottom strong. Baltimore Ravens are top to bottom strong. They've got answers and solutions on every unit. They've got depth at every unit. They've got a track record where the next guy up, the backup comes in and plays well. So you can look beyond Lamar Jackson and his heroics and look behind the fact that like they lost Mark Andrews and say, wow, this team can win with pass rush. They can win with a running game. They can obviously win with special teams. And that's what makes them so dangerous in, the, in a playoff tournament. You know, speaking, I want to get back to Jackson and the Ravens, but, you know, 
you you got into the bills there and sort of what the forecast was for them. Yeah. He, here they are since the change at offensive coordinator leaning into their running game, which yes. you know, if you care, like I have just never wanted that. Every every offseason it's which running back will they draft or trade for, you know, all, we've heard all the names. Right. And come on, take a look at the charts, right? Their p- expected pass rate is among the highest in the league. And mm-hmm. recently, it's among the lowest, which is a really stark change. Do you think they can like keep winning that way once they get into the playoffs and maybe have to go on the road? You know, well, conditions could impact that. But the thing about running is running reduces the chance of something going haywire when you are the better team and you're in the lead. Okay. One of the reasons why somebody like me, who comes from an analytics background, says, no, you should pass, 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 I would pull my hair out with the Buffalo Bills because they would be leading by 10 points in the fourth quarter and Josh Allen would be throwing bombs. Like, at that point in the game, it is time to say we have the better uh, offense at the line of scrimmage, we can do zone read, we can do all these other things, we can stuff the ball down your throat and get out of here, and instead they would be going for this like kill shot and sometimes get themselves into trouble. And I think what we've seen in the last couple of weeks is a Buffalo Bills team that, okay, we take the lead. Now that's why we're running the ball down the opponent's throat, because we can, because this game is under control. We're just trying to get out of the stadium, uh, and, and that's to their benefit. That's something they should do against New England. You should be able to take the lead on New England and say goodbye, Bailey Zappi, and get the win. I don't know what that does for you against the Dolphins in Week 18. I don't know what that does for you in the playoffs, except that if you do get in control of those games, this is a, a way of solving the problem of saying, oh, somebody's got to come back on us and beat us. Sure. Yeah, the Dallas game, quintessentially, right? I mean, Allen doesn't even get to 100 yards. He throws maybe 15 passes, 7 for 15, something like that. Just He's not had games like that. In- right, don't put, them, don't put it in a position where Micah Parsons gets a strip sack on you when you've got a two-score lead, when you are running the ball down the throat. That doesn't make sense. And I think that's what the coordinator change has really done for them. It is interesting how they've gone a little bit further than that, though, in, in terms of Cook and the running game. And what it, bring, it can bring up, I say can bring up, is sort of what they are at this stage receiver-wise. Like, mm-hmm. Diggs has not gone over 100 since week five, which is a long time for him. Um, Davis has had some bagels. Kincaid has one catch in two weeks with Knox back. And Cook didn't even get a reception in L.A. So um, should, yeah. should we worry? You have to be realistic about the fact that beyond Diggs, this is not a deep playmaker core, especially in terms of receivers. And I think we saw that coming into the season where the plan was Dalton Kincaid, who is a tight end, is going to be our slot guy. You know, rookie tight ends generally, generally don't make it as slot guys right away. That's something they could do in year four, year five. We're seeing David Joku right now is a veteran doing that for the Browns. It's a tall order for a rookie. Kincaid had a pretty good rookie year, but you're reaching the limit of that. So, you know, this is the weakness for the Buffalo Bills is, yeah, if the ball's not going to digs, it's a little bit of a manufacturer who, who the ball's going to situation with these other receivers. Problem for the Bills, hey, can I introduce, can I introduce you to the Kansas City Chiefs this year? Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to do it wide receiver. They have a real problem there. A couple other teams have problems in that regard, but it is something that is a worry for the Buffalo Bills. Mike Tanier, my guest, themessenger.com, at Mike Tanier on Twitter, longtime associate of Aaron Schatz, we've spoken with many times as well over the years, now at FTN and the FTN Almanac. So on the Chiefs, Mike, like, is it fixable? The season? Yeah. yeah. This is what you get. This is what you get. Um, all the fixes that can be in place are in place. Like, Rashi Rice has gotten better at receiver. 
So you've got that solution there. Hey, Kadarius Tony has been limited to like a, hey, here's a cameo, now go away before you make a mistake. They've done that. You know, they're trying to get Justin Watson involved, et cetera. You're not going to suddenly find a receiver on the roster who's going to come up and be, you know, even even Juju Smith-Schuster level quality, let alone Tyreek Hill. So they have to figure out how to win like this. During the season, they won like that because the defense played well, because they would bring a little more to the table as a, with, with their running game and because their offensive line is still good, and Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. But they have a ceiling right now. This is not the 2019 Chiefs ceiling, 2021, 2022 Chiefs ceiling. It's a lower ceiling than what we're used to with them, and they're still very dangerous in the playoffs, but I think they're also very vulnerable as well. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, maybe this is a team that could have been doing what the Bills have done, with their run pass stuff, I, I don't right. know. It's like we 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 saw them win without Tyree Kill last year. You mentioned Juju, who by the way will not play for New England here on uh, Sunday. He's yeah. been ruled out as well. Um, I just know, like, so the Bills and Chiefs, even like just a couple of weeks ago, have had these Titanic showdown games, regular season and playoffs. From yeah. a Bills standpoint, just me speaking, I mean, there's a pretty good path here to the bills as the six and the chiefs as the three and yeah. I, I don't want it <laughs> i just it's like it's like talking about belichick for it toward the end of brady and then after that you know here would come the patriots on the schedule and i'd just mm-hmm. be you know super anxious and nervous about it right and and, and the bills proved gave you a reason to be uh, anxious about it earlier in the season and you're probably still a little bit worried right now because they're they're playing a little bit better football but yeah i don't think anybody's saying hey let's go into arrowhead and take our chances with patrick mahomes <laughs> that said you can look at this team now and say well here are the ways we can beat them. the raiders just beat them we can get forced mistakes when we get a mistake by one of their receivers we have to turn around and score on the other end there's a path to victory for the chiefs that's a little easier than it was last year the year before the year before right with Mike Tanier, this is Mike Shope on WGR. Okay, so I wanted to get back to Baltimore with you, Mike, thinking about the MVP race. I know at The Messenger you've written about, as you go through your column, uh, like Brock Purdy in your more, more recent column last week being basically eliminated from the MVP race with his performance right. on Sunday night. What have you sort of seen that's been interesting to you this year, an a unusual year for how many different players have been the betting favorite it's as many as eight, I think, you know, yeah. week, week to week. And what do you think happens from here? Well, uh, first of all, whenever I talk about the MVP race on social networks, I am simply trolling now. I, do, <laughs> I have given up on this race, and everybody comes in screaming with their take, and I'm just trolling. I, like, I, I don't have a vote. I did not make any bets on it, and I don't really understand. You know, a couple of weeks ago I was saying, hey, I know, I know who Debo and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle are. I, I, I didn't just uh, come, come off of the, out of a field somewhere. I know how football works. But if Brock Purdy gets the 49ers a home field advantage throughout the playoffs and leads the NFL in DVOA and DR and QBR and all these things, I say, you know, he should be the MVP. Uh, what, I, I don't care that, like, another quarterback would have done it better or whatever. He did it, okay? That's what I was saying a week ago. Four interception game in the biggest game, I see it. Like, okay, maybe that's not it. Lamar Jackson is right now the betting favorite pretty prohibitively at minus 190. We'll see where we're at uh, on New Year's Day and what he did against the, uh, against the, um, the Dolphins. I just wish that there was more of an understanding that, yeah, if we, if we can argue that Christian Purdy doesn't deserve it, then we should be able to argue that Christian McCaffrey does. Because mm-hmm. 
if the court, if the quarterback is that reliant some of the time on the playmakers, then the playmakers should be eligible for it. So, you know, I've, I've kind of given up on it. I'm waiting and seeing like everybody else. But I'll tell you right now, comeback player of the year, a couple days ago you could have had Joe Flacco at plus 600 for comeback player of the year, and you can only get him at plus 100 now. So, folks, looks <laughs> like you missed your chance to be wacko for Flacco in a way that could have paid off for you. That's a comparison Joe Flacco to DeMar Hamlin that I'm not qualified to make. Like, I, I don't even know. Hamlin's been the favorite all year, even by a lot at times, and he just hardly plays. But he, he's on the team, and we know the story. It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, but I don't know how to compare. No, I, I, I'm a huge fan of DeMar Hamlin. I was able to be there during Super Bowl week where he made a variety of appearances, and it was really, really inspiring to see him, and it's still inspiring to see him. I don't know if that Award is designed for that, and I'll give another example of a ball player, Foster Moreau, tight end for the Saints, who overcame cancer this offseason. Um, that's also extremely impressive, but like that's not something where you look at it and say, well, that's a, a comeback player of the year. So I, 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 I want the most for DeMar Hamlin. If he wins it, I will cheer for him. Uh, there is a sense that I'm not sure that this is what that award was really meant to do. Yeah. And maybe we can honor his accomplishments in different ways. Last year, I went on rants a few times about this award. At one time, Derrick Henry was the favorite who literally came back the previous year and played in the playoffs. So I don't know. And then we're talking about Gino, who eventually won. And a guy called up, and he's like, well, what is he coming back from? Was he ever good? If he he was good and then bad and then good, that's a comeback. If he's just bad to good, that's most improved. But it's – I don't know what to do with it. Hey, I I, I won plus 1,300 on Gino, so I will have no complaints about the Gino Smith. But, again, if the voters decide some more Hamlin's phenomenal, I'm I'm all for it. My thought is that he is in a different category from this. Right. Man of the year, how about? Things like that. Yes, yes. Walter Payton, man of the year. Mike, um, you have a history with Flacco? I didn't know this until just sort of looking at Twitter today. What is it? I was a, a, a high school mathematics teacher. In the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, and I had the pleasure of teaching Joe Flacco in honors calculus in whatever year that was, 2002 or 2003. Mm -hmm. He is still a neighbor. The family still lives a couple of miles away. I still sometimes run into his in-laws and his brothers socially here in southern New Jersey. Pretty cool. Was he a good student? His honors. He was an outstanding student. He was an absolutely outstanding student, great young man. It It was a thrill early in his career to watch him. And, uh, you know, it was actually a little uh, a little bit lump in my throat a little bit when he sort of became that punchline, you know, when the Flacco yeah. Elite thing went, came in. And it's been, uh, it's been absolutely inspiring to see this comeback. Are they live for you? I think they are. Who's that, the Browns? The Browns, yeah. I mean, talking about the AFC and teams that, and their flaws, like, could, yeah. could, they, could they do it? Yeah, they, they might wind up coming in as the wild card team that goes against the champion of the AFC South some very vulnerable Jaguars team where the Jaguars fall off and, and you're going out there with that defense against, you know, a rookie quarterback or something like that. If the Texans wind up on top of that division, so they can win a game or two. And, you know, I, I said it in one of my articles, it's like, if you looked at the year that the Ravens won the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco at quarterback, you would not have believed it. They were 10 and six going into that playoff tournament. They, they had lost a couple games coming in. They fired their offensive coordinator. They right. weren't that impressive. Ray Lewis was hurt for part of that season, and they had to go through Peyton Manning with the Broncos and Tom Brady with the, uh, with the Patriots at their peaks, and they did it. So any, anything, is, anything is possible. That's right. When you have Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I guess it is. Uh, I was going through the – there's four teams in NFL history that have won three playoff road games to get to a Super Bowl. 
the Ra- yeah. that Ravens team is not one of them, but they might as well be. Like they, they you know, like. They won at home the first week, but then those yes. those two wins, the improbable Denver win and then an easy win, it turned out, in New England, uh, wow. they, might, they might as well count for this. Yep. I think those 1980 Raiders were one of those teams. And no matter what, and they had to change quarterbacks in midseason. No matter what, when you do that, it's going to be improbable because if you're going on the road every week, it means things didn't go too well for you in the regular season. 07 Giants, who were here in the second-to-last game of the year, they were their form was bad. It was the worst weather day ever, and that's in Buffalo. Like, just (laughs) super windy, and the Bills got out 14-0, and I'm sure that the talk was, like, what a lost season, and they won every game. That game, all the way through the undefeated. Well, I guess they lost to New England the next week when New New England's undefeated, but then won that Super Bowl. That's improbable for you right there. Amazing. Thank you, Mike, so much. Happy New Year. Best to you uh, and Aaron and everybody that uh, you work with. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you and yours. Thank you, Mike. Mike Tanier on the Wester Hotline, themessenger.com, FTN Almanac as well with Aaron Schatz. Lines are open for you next, 803-0550, the playoff picture, the Bills and their offense. One thing I'm thinking a lot about and talking a lot about here, just um, can they keep going, run heavy, which for them they especially are doing in, uh, well, this game isn't maybe the best Example for that question, but like, can they go all the way this way? What do you think? And how big Miami and Baltimore is to what will happen to the Bills this year? Anything else in and around the Bills, the playoffs? I am here for it. Football Friday on WGR, presented by Tops Markets. Score big savings and elevate your food game. This is Mike Shope. It's time for a break. We'll be back in a snap. Brought to you by Snapdragon Apples, the official apple of the Buffalo Bills. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 